0: Welcome to episode 11 of Bushby and Thompson's Wrestling Adventure on postwrestling.com. And I'm Martin Bushby and joining me, as always, is the king of interviews himself, Mr. Andrew Thompson. Andrew, how is it going this month? I see you've been back on the road, back doing interviews. (laughs) You managed to bag the one and only Mr. Hughes this week. How's it going this month, mate?
1: Martin, my good man. I appreciate you. Appreciate the introduction as always. It's good talking to you. Uh, yeah i i am uh quote unquote back on the road got got a couple of interviews in the can and i was also honored to be a part of your your stream a couple of weeks back that was a great cause that you did it for you should you should definitely still uh pr- pr- promote that and, and, and let people know where they you know the, the 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 cause that you put that together for you of course you and beno went 12 hours straight i believe
0: oh yeah definitely yeah that was a that was a bit of a slog of a day yeah but thank you so much obviously to you and everyone else who contributed and obviously Huge, huge thanks to, uh, you know, my other co-host, Benno, for, uh, you know, slugging it out for the full 12 hours. Obviously, we were doing it for the uh, Children's Heart Surgery Fund over here in the UK, a brilliant charity that's uh, close to, not only close to me, but obviously we heard uh, James and Waiting, who had a similar story to me with, you know, um, a, a family member who had um, a, a heart condition when they were very young. So, yeah, obviously, thanks to everyone who donated, and, you know, thanks to everyone who listened and, and who contributed. But, you um, I suppose, uh, away from that, um, because this month we are going back to 2011-2012 to talk the WWE documentary um, Best in the World, CM Punk, and then we'll also be subsequently talking uh, the 2011 Money in the Bank main event between John Cena and CM Punk. Obviously, it's 10 years since that happened, and CM Punk is never far from the headlines, is he? And obviously, he's been a big talk um, the past couple of weeks, but... um, Andrew, joining us this month, because listeners all know him from his MMA work with post-wrestling, but also his uh, seemingly encyclopedic knowledge of wrestling on the uh, BDE pay-per-view games, we're delighted to be joined by <laughs> Eric Marcotte. Eric, thanks for joining us this month.
2: Uh, no, thank you. I never thought the day would come that I was on a, a post-wrestling affiliate podcast actually talking about professional wrestling, but but here we are. This is huge for me.
1: We're we, we glad to have you. It's good to have you in an environment when you're not cheating in the Up Next games, Eric, but, you know, it's, it's, I'm glad to have you here,
2: man. <laughs> oh, I I eliminated Andrew Thompson from the Up Next Rumble. I, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> did
0: you did oh, you man. do a uh, Kevin Nash in, in the late 90s where you're going around eliminating everybody <laughs> in in this game?
2: That's pretty much what happened, and then everybody ganged up on me to throw me out, but... <laughs> But it's fine. Me and Nate Milton went on to win the tag titles at Mania, so still got yeah. over in the end.
0: <laughs> I say, I say, Andrew still, still taking that last hard. So. uh <laughs> first thing he brings up,
2: the the the,
1: the what, what was the game when 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 Way pulled out the dog? What was that? Was that Survivor Series? <laughs> yeah. That <was> Survivor
0: Series.
1: <laughs> I, I, I will never ever forgive the post wrestling slash up next chat for doing that to me. Like, I, I got cheated. I was supposed to go back to back. But, you know, you know what? I know that they got the SummerSlam game coming up. You know, they they, they should give me an automatic invite since I'm the champion. But, you know what? We're we, we going to see how that goes.
0: <laughs> because, I mean, Eric, obviously, um, you know, this is the uh, first of three appearances for you on a, on post-podcast this week. I mean, it might as well be renamed the Eric Marcotte Week on the uh, mm-hmm. post-wrestling site this week. I mean, you've got the big Bellator show coming up this weekend, haven't you?
2: A uh, pair, yeah, big Bellator show, uh, Bellator two sixty three with uh, AJ McKee and Patricio Pitbull, and there's going to be a ton of post uh, wrestling related coverage. We got a preview show going up late Thursday night. We'll have a report on the site and then a post show. So uh, we're going all in on Bellator this week.
1: Oh yeah, Eric, I did want to ask you about the. Uh, I-, I think the news got put out yesterday. Or today, I believe uh, that Kamar Uzman is going to defend the welterweight title against uh, Covington at UFC 268 in November. Mm. I believe, I just want to get your thoughts about that. And, and, and of course, I'm pretty sure that's going to be a big uh, a fight that a lot of people are going to pay attention to, more so because, you know, I, I would say the majority of people want to see Covington get knocked out <laughs> or, or so sad in his back pockets. But nonetheless, it is, it is it's definitely a fight that a lot of people are interested in because, you know, Kobe's a, a talker and Uzman backs it up. So I uh, just want to get your thoughts about that.
2: Uh, yeah, that's definitely going to be a big fight. Their last fight, which was uh, maybe a year and a half, two years ago now, was an excellent fight that went five rounds. Usman finished him with like 30 seconds left, but, but it was a fantastic fight. That being said, I think Kamar Usman's improved a lot since then, especially with his striking. Personally, I think he's the best fighter in the world right now, mm. and I think he'll get done a bit quicker against Colby this time. But, you know, it's definitely going to be a heated build up to the fight, and it's going to get a lot of attention on it.
1: That that's happening at Madison Square Garden. I think
2: that's the plan, but it isn't confirmed yet.
1: Okay, okay, because I I see I saw like a lot of reports that say it's like they, they use the word like targeted for Madison Square Garden. Yeah. So That just lets me know that it's like probably not locked in, but that's like yeah. where they're, of
2: course aiming. So November has been the month in which they've liked to uh, do MSG for the typically a big show, and uh, they didn't get to go last year, right, with COVID and all that, so. I imagine if that card does come together, it's going to have a lot of big fights on it, not just Usman versus Colby. Okay, cool, cool, cool.
1: And then a man, Martin, who has had uh, quite a few moments himself in Madison Square Garden while he was with WWE is the individual that we're covering today, right?
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, Because, of course, I know it earlier, you know, CM Punk is on everyone's lips at the minute, you know, and he's had a very storied career, you know, from obviously King of the Indies to WWE via uh, Mixed Martial Arts. Um, I just wanted to know, uh, you guys are obviously um, a fair bit younger than me without uh, revealing any ages, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, when did CM Punk sort of first come on your radar before we get into the documentary?
1: So, I I would say, like I, I so to be completely transparent, I got back into wrestling because of that pipe bomb promo, as, it, as it's famously called, that I saw it on YouTube, and then I was like, okay, what's this? And then it, it, it like, immediately got me back into watching like the weekly wwe product and like that was I, I knew of cm punk prior but like this was like when i sort of after you know when i did my whole deep dive into mm-hmm. you know what he's done in the past prior to wwe but yeah that, that 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 was probably like when cm punk like first really truly came onto uh to my radar
2: that's really interesting because andrew and i are around the same age and that's actually when i fell off so Mm. i watched the pipe bomb and maybe two months of wwe after that and then i fell off for about two and a half years where i just consumed no wrestling whatsoever uh punk probably popped up for me first like in ecw that that's when i first saw him Mm. and I was really getting into wrestling around the time that he won the championship for the first time uh, when he cashed in the money in the bank. So uh, that's how he popped up for me
0: oh wow you mean that um you know kevin nash versus triple h feud wasn't enough to keep your interest in wrestling <laughs> after the exact <laughs> the exact
2: opposite i think that was the last straw i think that's when i moved on
0: <laughs> yeah well we're definitely going to get into that in a bit i mean for me it's um you know while well, you guys are still learning your alphabets and uh <laughs> it was um, he's rising the indies came around the time sort of like i was in and out of wrestling i was still following from a distance and reading um, a magazine we had over in the uk power slam keeping up with it that way but also going to some indies here in the uk that had a number of imports on them and i certainly remember reading all about him and you know and loving the samoa joe matches he had in roh um it wasn't until later that you know i, I caught some of his uh, chris era work you know looking back of it retrospectively but, um, but i even managed to see him and joe uh, face off at uh, international showdown which was um, a big sort of like super indie show here in the uk and 2005. Obviously, not a patch on their uh, ROH matches, but I think they still went half an hour, and it was still a um, still a great time. Sort of like seeing them, sort of like in their peak peak indie stuff. But I suppose um, you know now we've got got that out of the way. Shall we get onto the uh, documentary itself? Because obviously, this was released in uh, 2012 when. It's safe to say, I think Punk was still riding high in WWE. You know, he'd had a lot of bumps in the road, which they do talk about in this documentary, and we will definitely get to. But, you know, he was still a a massive merch seller at the time. He hadn't quite, you know, lost his passion for it as he would a couple of years, years later. Because I remember watching this one at the time, and I remember it was really cool that, you know, the... You know, a lot of the documentaries would just skim over anyone's indie run, you know, in five minutes. But, you know, they had a whole host of footage and actually went pretty in-depth rather than just give it, you know, five minutes like they would anyone else. So, obviously, nowadays, you know, we've got indie shows all over the WWE Network. But I remember that it had been really interesting and in quite something quite different at the time. I mean, did you two guys manage to see the documentary when it actually came out?
1: What about you, Eric?
2: Uh, no, this is the first time I've seen it.
1: This is, I, I would say this is my, i want to say this is my second time seeing this in this mm. documentary i saw it. i'm going to say 2015 or 2014 i believe uh but, but martin i did want to ask you as somebody who like kind of saw like the ascension of cm punk like even before he got to wwe and he was doing the ecw stuff and he was in ovw and all that do, do you think his sort of uh w- what's the word his is i don't want to use the word legend but like his like his aura and and the TV character CM Punk like really overshadows how good of a wrestler he was. And like people sort of really look when they think of CM Punk, they think about his character and the mic work, but do you think it kind of gets lost in like, in in all of that, how good of a wrestler that he actually was?
0: Yeah, I think, and especially when, you know, we'll get into it later, but obviously a lot of talk of the past couple of weeks has been, you know, mainly about his promos and not about his in-ring ability. So yeah, I do think it gets forgotten that, you know, you know, these indie matches he was having at the time and certainly, you know, some matches they he had in WWE, you know, these were getting high praise, not just for their storylines and the build-up, but also for his in ring work. But I suppose it might be forgotten about now, you know, because he has been out of the ring for so long, so you kind of worry, you know, how much ring rust and stuff he's Mm. going to have. But yeah, yeah, I mean... That's a problem as well, you know, these indie matches when you're watching at the time, you've never seen stuff like it, and you get so invested in it, but I suppose that might be rose-tinted glasses, and you might go back and watch this stuff now and be like, oh, it's not as good as I remember it. That's always the issue, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I suppose uh, into the documentary itself, because, um, you know, it opens with um, a quote from Punk, Um, you know, it's a pretty strong start, but um, for we learned a lot about his childhood and, and growing up, and It's quite surprising how open he is really at the start because it's straight into it. Um, You know, I don't think it, you know, it's not a secret that Punk, you know, is a pretty private guy, but it starts off pretty heavy with him talking about, you know, being stranded essentially by his parents and him thinking that his brother got everything and he got nothing. And then he, he goes on to talk about how he basically moved out and went to stay at a friend's house and ended up staying there and they basically became his surrogate family. And obviously all the family are interviewed here and it is interesting hearing their sort of like thoughts on him. And, you know, we see a lot of photos and footage of him sort of like with this sort of surrogate family. I mean, thoughts on the start here, Andrew, I mean, it's not straight into his wrestling career. You know, we get to know about CM Punk, the person behind the wrestling character. Yeah. I, th-
1: I think it was a cool way to, to open, the open the documentary it sort of gives it insight into the life of, uh, phil brooks opposed to cm punk you get to see you know his childhood and you know he was very very open at the beginning about his uh relationship with his parents and you know he basically had a, a best friend who took him in and his, their family took took him in as one of their own and like it, i know we we me me you and eric are going to talk about it uh at, at some point but like especially considering all the you know the reports in the room was going around about the AEW stuff like the the, the opening quote was just like just so stood out to me more than anything opposed to the uh, like it, it, it like the end of it more so it was just like I want to make pro wrestling better and I want to change this business but I can't do it if I'm sitting on sitting on my couch in Chicago and like that that, that just seems like something that would still be linked to CL Punk even more today considering like you hearing all the rumors and stuff about it so I I, I just think it's like they, they these are one of those uh this is one of those documentaries it, it, it definitely still still holds up uh to this day.
0: Yeah, definitely. Because after that, we do move into Punk's early career as a, a backyard wrestler before uh, being properly trained. And I, I, obviously, watching the documentary before and then being reminded about it, yeah, I wasn't um, familiar with this part of Punk's career. And, and you now it's quite fun to watch because obviously... You know, WWE is able to get their hands on a load of footage from this sort of, like, backyard promotion. And, you know, it was called Lunatic Wrestling Federation. All self-trained. I mean, they even talk about a rivalry they had with another local promotion being, you know, they were the promotion with the trained guys and they were, you know, looked down upon because they were the untrained guys. And Punk even says they were drawing, like, 300 people to their early shows. And then when it started to get more serious, they start hiring out gyms and venues and even get around 1,000 people. I mean... I mean, from the photos and the footage, Eric, it looked like a lot of people, but, I mean, do you think Punk was doing the typical wrestling promoter and embellishing <laughs> the numbers here? I mean, a 1,000 people is a lot for a, a backyard promotion,
2: isn't it? Yeah, he was He was probably embellishing the numbers a bit, but you know what? I'll, I'll take him at his word. Uh, throughout <laughs> everything from this documentary, this was the one part I really had no idea about. I had never heard of uh, his starts with, what, uh, LWF before, and I thought it was really interesting, especially when he talks about... Uh, how the promotion ultimately folded with his uh, brother stealing a bunch of the money. Mm.
0: Yeah, that is an interesting story because obviously he did say they entrusted him with the funds from the promotion. He said, obviously, it was a lot of money for a bunch of teenagers and ran off with the money. And Andrew, he sort of laughs while he's telling the story, but you can tell it still really bothers him, can you? Because he's sort of like, you know, it's kind of nervous laughter and he's, he's kind of like laughing and he's like trying to move the story on rather than yeah. dwelling on, on his brother and his, his family. Yeah,
1: you you can definitely tell that's still kind
0: of, but it,
1: at, at that current time, when then at the time of the uh, documentary recording, you could definitely tell it still bothered him a little bit. As you mentioned, he tried to not not necessarily like just gloss over. It. Like he he did speak about it, and you know he talked about his relationship with his brother and how he hadn't spoken to him in in, in what was it like eleven years or something like that mm-hmm. since it happened. Like he hasn't been in contact with him uh, at, at that time. So yeah, you, you could definitely tell that it still bothered him. But he I don't think he tried to you know, just do away with and to try to move past it. Like he spoke about it. And then it was like one of those things of like, you know, this is what it is. I spoke my piece and, you know, that's it.
0: Yeah. Cause obviously from there, he then talks about how he thought it was time to actually get some proper training. So he had to train with Ace steel. Um, Ace was obviously interviewed quite heavily in this documentary and he's a guy who was around on the U S Indies since the early night. I think he's had stints everywhere, even like TNA and, and WWE and the like, um, and then this is also when they start talking about his punk lifestyle and him becoming straight edge, seeing his dad drinking all the time and vomiting when he was giving him a lift to Little League. And he says that's when he knew, you know, he was never drinking. And, you know, he, in, later in life, he did adopt the straight edge lifestyle. And then they talk a bit about that and even have talking ads from from later. I think he was in a relationship with around the time uh, filming this documentary and then obviously Lars Friedrichson of ranc- Rancid talking about the yeah, the punk rock ethos so obviously punk not just sort of like in wrestling but he seems to have um, a following sort of outside uh, wrestling Eric with you know um, in, in being friends with a lot of punk bands and the like
2: yeah they brought in uh, quite the assortment of people to speak in this documentary Uh I remember when I was like 11 years old, I thought CM Punk's whole straight edge thing was the coolest thing in the world. The, the <laughs> tattoos, the straight edge means I'm better than you. I loved it.
1: <laughs> you wouldn't know, it's funny. Uh, Lars has a podcast, a wrestling podcast. I don't know if you guys have ever heard. It's called the Wrestling Perspective Podcast. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. Nope. But, but Lars co-hosts that, and they recently had CM Punk on, I want to say like, a month ago maybe two months ago and I was wondering I was like I was like I was like how, how did they how did they score CM Punk on the podcast and then like when I saw this I was like ah there we go I was like they actually like cool cool so I was like oh, that was a cool thing man
0: oh yeah definitely did he give any interesting tidbits in that did you have a chance to listen to it I not not I, I did listen to it I don't I don't remember anything
1: like <laughs> specific from it but they they did get a lot of good stuff in, in that interview but I don't think Punk like you know tipped his cap and anything but he, he basically said you know some of the stuff that he said over the past year or so you know like what it would take for him to get back in the ring and you mm. know just the right offer the you know right opponents fresh opponents basically like he doesn't want to do or wrestle the same people that he's already wrestled you know he wants to do different stuff so that that was you know pretty much the the, the, the big stories that came out of it outside of talking about just general stuff like his acting and you know whatnot.
0: Yeah, because that's kind of the line he's had, uh, you know, since he left wrestling, hasn't it? You know, it's got to be about the right opponent and things like that. But um, I suppose back to the documentary, because obviously after talking about using, you know, living the straight edge lifestyle, he, he decided to make it part of his wrestling gimmick, you know, really rallying up fans saying he's better than everyone because he doesn't drink or do drugs. And it actually seemed his girlfriend at the time who was interviewed in this uh, came up with the idea to use it in his wrestling. You know, it's a... And, and like, you know, there, Eric, I think a lot of people did sort of like hone in on this because it was a very different gimmick and certainly, you know, got him over whether people were booing him or whether people were like, wow, this is a really interesting guy.
2: Yeah, it was something that definitely worked in front of that crowd. And then almost a decade later, he proved it can work in front of the PG audience and the WWE as well. It's It was just a very effective gimmick. I think it still would be, honestly, although he's kind of moved past it.
1: Yeah, I was about to say, like, I I think, Like, I I wasn't trying to get, like, super deep into it, but, like, I, it's, like, even just hearing, you know, the story about his father and, you know, how that, like, it's those, like, little things that, like, happen to you or, like, things that you see when you're a kid that you, you, you may not really realize it as you go on in life, but that stuff, like, really changes you or affects you or has, like, a big impact as you get older. So I think that was just, like, something that, like, really stuck out to me, like, something that he saw when he was a kid, like, really changed his whole outlook on life and you know it, it basically shaped him into who he was as an individual and then he kind of took that and you know made it into his uh wrestling character or in, uh, imported that into uh his persona
0: yeah definitely so i'm being sort of like heavily into like sort of like metal and punk i've got a lot of friends that are straight edge some they were straight edge when they were teenagers and not so much anymore and people that are in bands and stuff like that and they've all got varied stories. Either like wanting to be part of something or either like, you know, got drunk once and was like, "Now nah, this ain't for me. Or everyone seems to have a different story. And it just seems mm-hmm. to be like, you know, a really close sort of like, you know, people that, you know, in the sort of like straight edge community. But um, so back to the documentary, you know, and obviously, you know, depending on who you talk to, you know, some of the highlights of the documentary, you know, because we really get an in-depth look at his indie career, you know, it wasn't just, you know, little, bits of footage from the indie days that you know they really went in depth you know um, probably like you know some of um his greatest indie career moments you know his, his friendship and matches with Colt Cavani, his feud with yeah. uh, Chris Hero and IWA, IWA Mid-South rather his feud with Raven which I remember got a lot of talk at the time and obviously the infamous matches with Samojo and then the original Summer of Punk storyline in ROH I mean you know you get a good half hour to sort of like 45 minutes of this. And, you know, we got to see, you know, loads of footage from ring of honor and the highlights of the Joe punk trilogy and and the tables and ladders match against Chris hero. And and it's great that they've got everyone who was involved in this, you know, interviewed and maybe Gabe Sapolsky might have been another person that would have been interesting to be interviewed, but they've got hero cabana, Daniel Bryan among those interviewed. I mean, Obviously, at the time of filming this, Cabana and Punk were best friends. You know, that's that all changed, but we'll we'll get into that later. But um, obviously, you guys said you first got into CM Punk through WWE. Where, have you had a chance to go back and, and watch much of this stuff, Eric?
2: So I've seen a solid portion of his ROH run just through uh, the Fight Network. Uh, they, they aired... Our old ROH shows all the time. Whenever I flipped onto that channel, I swear they were just playing old ROH shows, and <laughs> and it was almost either it was almost always either CM Punk or Samoa Joe wrestling. So I got to see a, a sizable amount of him in ROH that way. Uh, the rest of the independent independent run they talks about throughout this, no, I hadn't seen any of it before.
1: Yeah, but mostly like you said, kind of the same thing. You know, I kind of went back. You know, did my whole deep dive type thing. You know, you could easily find stuff. People upload stuff on the YouTube and you can easily search that up. Or you can go on different websites and stuff like that. Or you can go back to the ROH. They they that honor club subscription service that they have, like they literally have everything. Like in any and everything involving ROH from dating back to I don't even know how long. Like they they have everything in those uh that the subscription service. So they definitely if you a you know uh, original, always found you interested in checking out some of that stuff, I highly recommend uh, that Honor Club service.
0: Because it's funny, they talk about him and Chris Hero doing this loop of uh, US Indies even going 90 minutes in one match, and him thinking he was the greatest wrestler in the world, and then he finally wrestled Eddie Guerrero in I Do Have Mid-South, and you know, I think that was around the time Eddie had been released in by mm. WWE in 2002, and then he obviously realized that he actually didn't know as much as he thought he did, because it's funny because, obviously, later on, his matches with Joe are obviously the most famous, but, you know, they also look into the original Summer of Punk in ROH because he says that everyone in the crowd knows that he's signed a WWE, but, you know, he carries on with ROH longer than people thought he would and even signs his contract on the ROH title belt. i still watching these clips back. I still think they're absolutely fantastic, especially him signing his contract on the uh, on the title belt, Eric
2: yeah the storytelling and heat that they got from this was it it was it was amazing and i'm really glad that this documentary was able to go back and actually use the footage from some of those Mm. moments especially when you are able to compare that throughout uh, various points of his career they'll throw they'll do the other pipe bomb for a years later and it's full they show the full thing and yeah yeah exactly it it was a huge moment uh, right before he goes to the wwe
1: yes i definitely think uh punk being able to get the crowd to somewhat go against him on on his way out the door was great yeah. was, was very genius i i don't know why like i remember a couple i wanna say earlier this year i had this this, this wild like this, this fantasy idea i i had this in my head i, I don't know I, I don't know why i thought this but i thought that <laughs> punk Joe and and Brian and Chris Hero was somehow magically returned to Ring of Honor and like revitalized the whole <laughs> damn company. I, I I know I know I don't know what the hell I was thinking, but I was just like I was like, what if that what if that did happen and they kind of like even even the playing field uh, among uh, WWE and AEW as far as like having. Uh, a, a core group of elite stars that could change the business I, I don't know why the hell i thought that was happening but you know one, one man can dream right uh, i'm sure they
2: can afford uh one of those <laughs> best uh probably chris hero <laughs> but uh...
0: that's really funny because it's rlh from sort of like back then to now is like a, the, the only thing that is the same about it is the name and it? it's like such a different company now man. to what all it was back then yeah and, um, yeah i'm sure um ROH should have been dreaming about that as well, uh, as well Andrew. Yeah, they'd, like, they'd obviously look for that to happen. Now, Eric, I was going to ask you, like, what do
1: you think that ROH could do at this point to have more eyes? Because, I mean, it, it seems like they do have a solid, very solid roster. Like, they have a, like, a cool, obviously a core cool group of guys, core cool group of, like, they revitalizing the women's division, starting to pick back up. Like, it just seems like nobody, like, really talks about it that often unless you, like, are covering it or you're, like, you know, maybe catch some stuff on social media it just seems like maybe like maybe a, a tv deal or something along those lines or, or a better streaming platform could help because i don't think anybody like outside of the um like the st Clair broadcasting like anything that's under that umbrella is like really difficult to like kind of seek out like it, it, it like do you have any like idea or like
2: you know suggestions
1: as to far like what our wage could do to like get more eyes on their product
2: the most generic response I can think of, which is probably the most applicable here, is some is a star, someone who draws people in. So I, from when I started watching wrestling until the present day, there isn't too many years in that span in which ROH had my intention. When they did have my intention was largely when you had people like uh, the various members of the elite who are working there, doing mm. their being the elite thing and getting eyes on the ROH product, uh, as well as New Japan. I think it would probably take something like that where people are really connecting with the audience uh, outside of the hardcores of the hardcores who watch those shows, uh, regardless of the buzz. I think it's going to take people who connect with the more, uh, I'm not even going to say mainstream audience because the mainstream audience isn't going to be watching ROH, just your hardcores who aren't watching people who connect with them. And then that's going to be able to draw more eyes in, but, you can't just create a person like that they kind right. of have to develop naturally and that's always the difficult part
0: mm. yeah definitely because you have got you know two companies with a lot more sort of like resources that will that they're willing to pump into the company in terms of WWE and AEW you know vying over sort of like big name signings so ROH have to find a niche outside of that don't they as always it could be like you know one name that they finally get or just developing sort of like a core roster that do get some buzz about them you know either in ring or create some kind of original storylines it just seems like they've been coasting for a few years now andrew yeah it, it does kind of seem like that like it
1: i'm not saying it's like it, the the in ring product is like really good like basically even going off their latest best in the world pay-per-view like even that looking at that uh the jonathan gresham mike Bennett match, like that surprised the hell out of me i did not think that that was gonna be as good as it was and not that now that I thought it was gonna be bad, but like that was like really exceeding my expectations. I'm surprised they put the title on Bandito. That was something new. Like I, I just feel like always they just need like a they need like a shot in the arm or something like that, kicking the butt, whatever phrase you want to use. Like I just feel like they need that extra because I feel like they really lost a lot of steam once the elite left, and like mm-hmm. you know even even you know you've heard the interviews that Joe Koff has done since then. You know he, you know he 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 does what he's supposed to do, and you know keeps pumping up ROH but like it's it's very obvious like with the loss of you know Cody and you know having Kenny there on on a on a uh, rare occasion or having the Bucks there consistently to do those uh road loops and stuff like that because like you know, pe- people would come there to see them you know like that those shows some most of those shows or some of those shows were sell out because people wanted to see the Bucks or they wanted to see Kenny or they wanted to see Cody or you know in, in any any combination of the, of the you know of the of the elite so Yeah, I always, I feel like they just need an extra oomph and, you know, they just, I think the best thing to do is just keep doing what they're doing and find a better way to get eyes on their product outside of, you know, people having to search out for, you know, Sinclair Broadcasting or wait until fucking two in the morning to say ROH yeah. you know what I'm yeah and a
2: lot of that comes down to the characters that you display on your product and how they connect with people because yeah there's great wrestling in Ring of Honor yeah. but where can't you find great wrestling right now like mm-hmm. you would you would have to actively look for bad wrestling on big shows these days the, the work rate is just so high now you, you, you want to know what that, that, so that, that's it. I
1: know we supposed to be talking about punk right now, but Eric just brought us up like real interesting Like, cause no, cause that, that is something I'm like, very, cause like Eric, I know, I know you do, you, you do keep your eye on professional wrestling, but I know your thing is like really MMA, but like, it's yeah. just interesting to hear from you. Like to say that, um, you, you know, like, of course, like that's a very true statement. There is great wrestling everywhere. Like you, you would really have to go out of your way to like find quote unquote bad wrestling from, most of these companies that have some of the best wrestlers out there and like it's like what what can you do to like really separate yourself from that and how and how do you sort of have that balance of sort of entertaining people slash having the great wrestling but not having the entertainment overshadow the great wrestling like if that makes any sense
2: yeah exactly i mean like even on Raw, which is like the most abysmal show you can yes. possibly watch for three the hours. They got <laughs> guys like AJ Styles there. There's plenty of great wrestlers, you know. Yeah. So you got you got to separate yourself and draw eyes and other in other ways, as well as the great wrestling, of course. Here we go. Here we go. Well, there
0: then I also, did... just last thing on ROH, sure, yeah, it's great what they're doing with Gresham and the likes of people like him, but. How long did they have Keith Lee spinning his wheels? How long did the Maso Champa spin in his wheels? It's like they've let these people just slip through the fingers who could have been like megastars for him. And it's just, it just feels like, that you know, they've, they've they've shot themselves in the foot on a couple of times with some of the talent that's come through there.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. That's another good point. Like, they, they they have kind of been like the launching pad for, like, talent. to like, hey, let's go, you know, let's yeah. make my name here and then let's go. You know, somewhere else, and maybe make a whole bunch of money, and you know, grow grow my star power. Like that's that's kind of been a thing for ROH, man. Like it it, it happens a lot. Like and especially when you're looking at the, the the women's division, they have now. Like they got they they got some, they got a lot of good names in there, man. Like you know, so I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, if some of those names get the call sooner or later. You know, they might pop up on the AEW dark, or you know, maybe it might end up in one of those PC trials. So you know, I mean, that's I think ROH need to do a better job of you know just I, I I like I, I really don't know what they can do like outside of what i just said uh earlier but it's just like you know that that kind of what martin said has kind of been the theme people kind of you know go to roh make a name for themselves and then you know until they ready to take the next step or the, the quote-unquote next level
0: yeah because obviously punk did make a, a massive name for himself in uh, roh didn't he and then he talks that he says you know he was really comfortable financially and he loved um being in roh he'd go and um you know sort of like do training on Mondays and Tuesdays and then you know his his little TNA stint he says you, you know he he even drops a hint about that he'd go and wrestle in, in Nashville on a Wednesday and then he'd do ROH yeah. sort of like Friday Saturday Sunday but he sort of felt he'd done everything he could do and obviously he's very goal orientated and that he needed more challenges you know this is something we spoke about earlier with this from punk time and again in, in interviews and the like and so of course he, he finally signs with WWE and He says that he feels he got to the wrong foot as he's straight down to developmental in OVW, you know, despite Paul Heyman, who is running OVW at the time being a huge champion of his to the WWE front office. It seems that, you know, this might've been a hindrance to to punk as, as Michael Hay says that, you know, Paul was going on about punk so much to the higher ups that it ended up turning them off punk because of Heyman. And I've heard this story told a couple of times by a, Um, On on Conrad Thompson's uh, podcast saying that, you know, Heyman was just too in people's faces about Punk. So they were like, oh, we've had enough of this, send him down to OVW. Um, I suppose, Eric, I can imagine Paul Heyman can get on your nerves a bit, you know, if he's he's hammering you all the time when you're in uh, production meetings and the like.
2: Yeah, I, I could see that as well, but it seems like it's a good thing he was there regardless, because mm. he from from what he said, from what Punk said, it sounded like he's the only guy who believed in Punk, uh, mm. even if that hurt him at times. Uh, maybe he would have gotten cut beforehand if him and wasn't there. So,
1: yeah, and it, it, it did get mentioned like they were. I think Jim Ross even said it during the documentary that they were thinking about cutting Punk, like he was like one of those guys that was on the, like the list of names that you know they were thinking about. Hey, you know he might not be here long enough or or, or might not be here much longer and yeah like eric said it seemed like heyman was like the only person at the time that like really like truly believed in punk now did i was gonna ask y'all like uh i was gonna go to you mark like do you think that heyman saw like what punk like did, did you did you think he he like had a i guess a vision or an idea that punk will become what he has become or do you think that he just saw like this guy could be a world champion
0: Oh, I definitely think he saw, you know, all the talent in the world in him, hence him wanting him to keep sort of like his name and he, in the in the similar character what he was doing on the indies. And obviously it goes back to him being in ECW. He obviously saw, you know, a lot of talent in, in people that perhaps WWE didn't see. And it's like Eric Noward there, it was good that he he did have um uh, Heyman fighting for him all this time because it, you know it might have been a completely different story for punk in WWE. Mm. Yeah.
2: I like how they always talk about. Uh, they say that multiple times throughout the WWE portion of the documentary. They talk about the higher ups who weren't a fan, <laughs> of punk, but they never they never name any names. It's just no. the higher ups.
1: <laughs> Michael Hayes, low-key referring to himself when he says higher ups. I'm like, yeah, they, <laughs> they, they 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 try so hard, like the to, um, yeah. to like. I mean, I mean, of course, you know, they most more than likely nine times out of ten, nine point five times out of ten, they're talking about Vince McMahon. And he's not a fan of Punk. Like even um, I'm, I'm pretty sure we was gonna come across it, but that that conversation uh, that that uh, I guess when when Punk made his heel turn, uh, what when he was like, I guess I guess it was like two years out or a year out from me like from from when he like rose to the like upper echelon of the WWE roster. Like Vince was like um, he was like he was like you know I had my reservations my reservations about you you know I don't think if you I don't, I don't know if you can pull this heel turn off and then Punk like sort of gave him the whole. Spill about uh like w- w- what's the challenge, Vince? And he was like, "Hey Hayes, is he fucking with me?" Like, you like, it, it, like I, 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 I don't know what, re- what relevance that has in what I just said, but like, I just thought that was a funny story. But um, yeah, like they they definitely one hundred percent got to be talking about Vince or or Michael Hayes just trying to uh not refer to himself uh when he says higher up.
0: no oh, Johnny Ace for
1: definite. Yeah, John, yeah I forgot yeah, about yeah, Johnny, Johnny Ace. Ace. Johnny Ace and
0: Vince <laughs> definitely, because um, obviously we do see a lot of footage of him of him in OVW, and you know, and he he says that, um, you know, as much as it was a downer for him, he he turned it into a positive, because obviously, I know there he was allowed to keep his name and his look, but also, he said he was there every day, learning from Heyman, you know, how to produce TV, how to write TV, and he actually started enjoying his time there, so it it seems that, you know, it was a good learning curve for Punk, you know, outside of the Indies, you know, he'd learned a lot in ring, you know, in his time in ROH and stuff, but learning, you know, being under Heyman and learning, you know, sort of like the more production side of, of wrestling, and and from there, we, we sort of jumped to 2006 and he debuts for the relaunched ECW on, on WWE. And they make no secret about it, you know, it's because Heyman's running ECW that that Punk's brought up from OVW. I mean, one of my favorite quotes from this is, we even it's a clip of John Cena here saying that, you know, you hear all this stuff about Punk and everyone saying what a great wrestler he is and then seeing him in ECW for the first time. And he just goes, yeah, and it was just kind of like, meh. And I can imagine that was uh, the thought of a lot of people in the locker room, you yeah. know, because you can imagine, uh, maybe not so much these days because they signed so many indie stars, but, you know, that seems to be the thing with WWE, especially back then. It's such a weird place that you, you know, anybody that has a huge buzz from the indies coming in, then it it seems to be more of a hindrance to you, especially around that time, I think, Eric.
2: And I can understand what Cena was saying there. You know, if you watch those punk matches segments from 2006, 2007, He's good, but he doesn't really uh, stand out as he would a few years later, even physically. He talks about how he tried to put on a bunch of weight when he joined the WWE and he doesn't look good at all. He, he looks like a bit flabby compared to what he'd look like later. He's wearing this eyeliner that made him look really stupid. <laughs> it, yeah, it's true. <laughs> and, it, and he didn't really he didn't stand out. He was good. People liked him, but he wasn't being himself yet. He was just kind of a generic good guy.
1: But the best thing Punk did was get a damn haircut. I, I swear <laughs> that was the best thing for his career was to yeah. cut the hair. But like those ECW days, like even like going back on or piggybacking on what Eric said, C- I mean, C- Cena kind of you, you can you can understand what Cena was saying. I mean, I, I'm 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 just going based off strictly off John Cena. Like I don't know what the rest of the locker room was saying. They probably said much worse that, that to, about Punk at <laughs> that at that time. But Cena was just more to like you know you got you got everybody coming in i'm assuming he's referring to paul Heyman, you know hyping up this guy saying that he's the next this and the next that and then you see him on tv and it's like th- there's like that's the guy that's supposed to come in here and change mm. you know, change the place like you 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 can see why people would be so you know uh i, I guess against punk or uh, you know just hesitant about believing in him the way that he was being promoted but like um but you like like martin mentioned like you've seen that countless times like martin i know you remember uh a couple months back when i did the write up uh about the the Michael Tarver thing when he was on the uh oh, yeah the the Talking Sass podcast and he he went in like the in detail about his whole running WWE and like the the way the company is structured or it was structured I, I guess or maybe probably likely still is like it's like it's hard for people to really grow unless they want you to grow like if they don't have a vision for you or you're not that guy coming in like it's just like you just going to be sitting in on the back burner. And, you know, if, if just by chance, if something lucky happens, then, you know, you'll get your shot. Like we look at guys like Ricochet. Like, I don't know what the hell they doing with him. Like he, mm. Keith Lee, like it's yeah. we like, there are like solid examples to, to sort of back up that like, you know, even though punk did have a guy like Paul Heyman, like really, really throwing them out there. But like, even then it's like, it's really hard to like really break out from, from, from that ceiling in WWE.
2: Exactly, and we'll get into it more uh, soon. But when they initially put the title on him in two thousand eight, it was kind of just more of the same because, like, first off, they had a feud with like fucking JBL for two months, and <laughs> it, it was nothing. He wasn't portrayed as He was not even portrayed as a dominant champion or anything. And then they randomly take the title off of him night of a pay per view. He's not even in the match. He just gets kicked in the head by Randy Orton, and they're like, "All right, uh, back to the mid card." There was nothing. They didn't go with him even when he had the belt. They, there was nothing that made him CM Punk. He was still just completely uh, your average bland baby face. Uh, they never went with him until a few years later.
1: Yeah. No, yeah say, exactly. Mark, I was going to ask you, Mark, like, what do you think about his uh, his comments about like you know? I, and I think I think they were really true when he was just like you know they they viewed John Morrison as far like as far as that ECW time like when they were deciding who was going to get the ECW title like who like it was between him and John Morrison, like they kind of thought that, you know, John Morrison was the guy because he had the, the you know, the WWE look and Punk was like, Morrison wasn't ready. And, you know, but I don't even know if I was ready, but I think I was more ready than he was.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. And the Eddie, that's perfection. You know, he's sort of like giving you this commentary. He's just seeing John Morrison coming out ripped to the gills and everything. <laughs> like a million like dollars, doesn't he? And then, you know, they cut to Punk in the ring and he just like, like Eric was saying, they still wearing the eyeliner and everything. It looks a bit, yeah. Still looks a bit um, indie, yeah. But because just to rewind there, obviously he did finally get the shot of the ECW heavyweight title. I mean, he was originally due to face Chris Benoit, at, you know, but obviously... Yeah. The Benoit incident happened, you know, a point that obviously is not included in the documentary. And what's more interesting about that, that he's quite critical about himself there. You know, obviously he says that the matches stunk apart from the last one where he finally feels like they they clicked and where he eventually won the title. And um, he even says that that's one of his favorite matches, which quite surprised me on, on that, Eric.
2: As a kid, which I definitely was at the time, I can say that those matches against Morrison didn't really like. <laughs> so I'm, tr- I'm trying to think mm-hmm. out for when you're a kid, you can't tell what's bad. Yes. Like you watch something that's bad, you're like, oh, uh, fantastic! Punk is the new champion, but you can tell what's good. You can tell when something's good, and those weren't good. <laughs> but they they, <laughs> they were kind of doomed from the start with the
1: whole ECW WWE thing. Like I felt like, especially it, it seemed like when Punk and Morrison were kind of on their. uh on their ascension, that's when that old guard of the old guard slash OG ECW talents were kind of on their way out, and that's yeah. When they like they were bringing in like Chavo Guerrero and Big Show and the
2: Big Show, <laughs> you ECW know legend. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Kane. Don't forget about Kane, man. Oof, extremist you, you, right there.
1: You know what I'm saying? Like they they were kind of moving out that original ECW guard and like bringing in, you know the wwe real wwe version of, of, of ecw so yeah i mean i, I feel like they was just kind of you know doomed from the start like they didn't really have any momentum like i think we all remember the infamous december to dismember pay-per-view that was uh mm. horrible that that was probably the worst pay-per-view one of the hey, worst shows
2: funk was, uh, <laughs> was in the main event of it yeah. <laughs> <for> the extreme <laughs> elimination chamber oh my goodness he was the, the only- him and rob van Dam were the only people the fans cared about and they got in, Like. 10
1: minutes <laughs> uh, say, real, real quick before we get back to this documentary something that just came to my mind of uh one of you guys mentioned John Laurinaitis we we, we have uh Mr. Mr. John Pollock who is infamous for his um what's his name what, what do they call him I can't think of the word right now when you when you like uh when impersonations. You impersonations there we go I that slipped my mind so can, can we get a good Johnny Ace impersonation from either Martin or Eric to to to, oh to, to, to take God. the shine from John, from John Paul. I, don't,
2: I don't think I can do it with John Laurinaitis at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's tough. <laughs> oh hey guys,
0: yeah. oh, I just kind of, I just, I just <laughs> end up taking off uh, Bruce Fisher because he obviously does a brilliant one on this show as well, you know, about him sucking up to Vince all the time. But now I think um, Pollock is the uh, impersonation king of posts. So uh, I suppose yeah. Um, I the, the best thing I got, I can't. Um, let me see if I
1: go. If I go whip up some, oh you know, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. You know, it's guys, when you put on the spot, it, Andrew, isn't it? It's just budget cuts. Like I don't, I don't really know how to how to do it. it. It 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 is hard when you get put on the spot. So now me eating my own work, I just try to put y'all on the spot and I can't even do
0: it. <laughs> but um on to uh sort of WrestleMania twenty four, and obviously Heyman's um out of the company after that um this December to dismember pay-per-view, but um Punk wins the money in the bank in um, a pretty good money in the bank uh, match, as I recall. Um, Punk says that, you know, as far as career goals go, he thought that this would be the top of the mountain. And, you know, if it was that was to be the height, that he goes, he'd be happy enough with that. And um, then they talked through his first world title win um, over Edge, who, you know, had just been beaten down by Batista. And and how much it actually meant to him, you know, because it was, um, you know, the big gold belt, the NWA strap that Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair had held. But, you um, I do remember when it was around the time when this was seen as sort of like the secondary sort of heavyweight title compared to the WWE title. And um, and then Eric mentioned earlier, obviously, the scramble match at Unforgiven where Punk was beaten down by Randy Orton and then replaced in the match by Chris Jericho, who then went on to win the title for his feud with Shawn Michaels. And obviously, Punk's obviously clearly upset by this. And we also see Triple H saying that, yeah, they might have given him the title, but they are they really giving him the title? And sort of yeah. yeah. That's the sort of interesting... uh, I do remember I was um, in Toronto of all places um, for this pay-per-view. I was at Toronto Film Festival and obviously they show the uh, pay-per-views in the cinema. I thought, oh, I'll just go down to the cinema and watch this. And I do remember when Punk came on screen, at least five people in that cinema shouted Paper Champion. So I was like, oh "Wow, God. people, <laughs> people wow. really view CM Punk in a polite in uh, in Canada."
2: <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have expected that. I, you know what the best part was? He gets kicked in the head by Randy, and I don't even remember that turning into like any sort of any sort of feud afterwards. I don't. I don't think they went anywhere with that. It was just, yep. oh well, Randy, Randy punted him in the head. Now he's gonna go back in the main event scene and Punk can go tag with Kofi.
1: i was about to say, Eric, do, like, how how do you like how would you even um describe like the the mindset of a talent that 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 is going into his WWE run or, or going into his run like that like he's thinking like oh well you know I, I just you know wasn't I just want to won the intercontinental title and that's as far as this is going to get so you know I'm gonna just enjoy this and then he gets the next thing the tag title so that's just that, that that's as good as it's gonna get and I'm probably gonna be out of here and like I, I think that like even creating an environment to where a talent is like literally thinking like the not, and not saying an intercontinental a title win or a tag title win is minuscule, but like even having them thinking or having a mindset of like, there's like, like it could only get worse from here. Like I think that's that, that 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 really is kind of a culture that WWE has established for people who haven't been allowed to rise above the um sort sort of you know what, what 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 they normally present to everybody else. Like, I feel like that's that that's kind of a mindset that we seem like like a lot of talents like really get taken on, especially considering like, you know, we've seen a lot of these post WWE interviews where, you know, you hear people talk about pitching different ideas and, you know, really not getting a a, a fair shake or having an opportunity to really express themselves on TV or get like we're, we're, just basically get a fair shake. And Punk really kind of had that same exact mindset and that same thought process. Like it was just, you know, it was just rough one.
2: Yeah, I, f- I feel like there might be a bit more optimism now. Now that we've had uh, a decade plus of guys like Punk or Brian yeah. actually succeeding, despite uh, despite many times looking like that wouldn't be the case. But especially when we're talking about 2008. I I can completely understand his frustrations at the time, and uh, things did turn around for him the next year. But it would still be a roller coaster until he, he eventually exits the company.
1: Right. I to say, Martin, what 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 did you think about? It? Did you did you kind of get the same feeling? About uh, Triple H and Scott Armstrong's comments about people who held the the big gold title, like you know, when you think of real, you think of quote unquote, you know, I guess real champions, you know, you think of the people in the four piece, three piece suit, and you know, they they look like the guy, and and you know, sometimes you're just not the guy. I was like Triple H. It sounds like see, that, those sound like some real personal things you saying, my brother. I I, I I don't know if y'all kind of caught that, but he was just like you know. When you think about, you know, certain guys that hold the big gold belt, you know, they look like this and they act like this. And, you know, Punk didn't really act like this. I was like, hmm, those sounds like some things that, you know, that that you probably said, you know, probably in some of those uh, meetings when when, when they discuss, you know, what was next for certain guys.
0: Oh yeah, definitely, and and even when he says like, oh, me and Sean were like, you know, taking punk under our wing and something, it's like, no, you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you you are you are saying that now he's you know famous and popular, but you can imagine at the time then going, oh, he didn't want like champion. You know? Why is he not turning up in a suit and all this other stuff? That was obviously rumored, wasn't it, that he had a lot of heats, He wasn't when he was champion. He wasn't turning up to to work in a suit and yeah, just a lot just such a chat i mean obviously it's been said ad nauseum but yeah it just seems like such a childish and yeah. you know stupid place to work sometimes but um obviously you know punks um obviously down about that you know the scramble match and you know it, it's weird because it is it around this point that they they cut to sort of like modern day in, in 2012 and you know he, he says that he isn't really lavish but they show him on this tour bus that WWE provided for him and you know he's <laughs> It, it, it does really strike you as him being not really the guy to be hanging around with the other talent, but more interested on being his own, a bit of a loner. I mean, we've heard similar stories about Bret Hart as well, Eric, haven't we? But um, pretty cool bus to be traveling around on, I thought.
2: Oh, yeah, I can totally see. He, he did sound uncomfortable, even when he was talking about owning one, but... I feel like that would be, once you're making a certain amount of money there, I feel like that's almost a must. Like that would mm. extend your career by, by years, I'd imagine. Go ask Randy Orton about his. He's been raving about it for like 15 years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I imagine I say, his bus um, uh, is a bit more smoky than Punk's was here. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I say
1: especially like, you know, the fact that they got the talent, you know, driving from city to city you know like I'm, I'm pretty sure that's you know we, well I mean we, we've heard them speak about this countless times I'm pretty sure that does nothing good for your body. so of course I'm pretty sure having a bus is like the big stress reliever
0: oh yeah definitely and, and it seems um, I think in other interviews and things he's talked about maybe the Kavana interview you know he'd sort of like wouldn't even sort of like go backstage he's sort of more be hanging around on the bus be, before shows and things like that but um Back onto the documentary, and then we see him win the Money in the Bank for the second time in 2009 and cash it in on Jeff Hardy. And um, I thought Punk and Hardy had a really good feud around this time. Clearly, a lot of material to use here, are you? Obviously, Punk being straight edge and Hardy with his well-documented substance uh, abuse issues. Um, so it certainly seemed like natural enemies, and I think Punk got some uh, really good promos in here against Hardy.
1: Yeah, I definitely think... uh anything before you know of course the 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 scene the stuff and the, the the pipe bomb promo i feel like that was the jeff hardy stuff he did was probably probably one of my favorite things second uh, you know ahead of the straight edge society like that was my favorite thing that punk did in, in wwe um was the you know the, the feud with jeff hardy i feel like they like you said they were just like two tv character polar opposites and it just really and, and you know even some of the real life aspects as well and like you know Jeff has been open about you know some of his issues in the past you know he talked about all that and dove into all that but um yeah I, I just think that they they really did click and I, they had some solid matches as well from what I can remember it wasn't anything like over the moon but it was like it, it was some they, they did some good stuff and I think it was more important that the story was there and like I, I think and that's when I mentioned earlier like uh you know, Punk talked about the meeting he had with Vincent and Michael Hayes, and Vince said he was hesitant about turning Punk heel because he didn't think Punk could pull it off. And, you know, he just, he I, I don't know if he saw Punk as a baby face, but he didn't see him as a heel and he didn't think he'd be able to live up to his expectation of what uh, a, a, a good heel world champion could do. And Punk was just like, you know, I don't, I don't think that's really a challenge. You know, I can do it. And, you know, he obviously proved him wrong and, you know, took that tenfold when he created the Straight Edge Society.
0: Yeah, because he's obviously got really fond uh, memories of the Straight Edge Society, It was a really good faction, especially when we feud him uh, with Rey Mysterio, you know, he had a really good story from Joey Mercury on the documentary, talking about Punk bringing him, you know, back to WWE, you know, and, and you know, really believing him and bringing him in as part of that, and you could just tell Punk really enjoyed his time as, as part of the society, and... Um, But again, it it seemed that WWE just didn't really know how to use them. Um, But I do remember that Royal Rumble where Punk sort of like lasted for ages and, you know, they were were using that as all part of it. But um, sort of like a a forgotten part, maybe of Punk's career now, Eric, but certainly an enjoyable one uh, going back and watching it through this documentary.
2: An enjoyable one and a very important one as well. I'd say from that heel turn in 2009 onwards, that's kind of when he really cemented himself as a guy you can throw in the main event at any time really as a heel you could see he was so much more comfortable with his promos uh not just doing the generic babyface one when he turned again late in 2011 he was starting to speak more as himself more as cm punk that, that became a superstar but mm-hmm. the generic babyface punk promos were just were just that generic in 2009 right. when he turns on jeff cashes in wins the world title you can really feel if everything was starting to click for him. And I think that was the perfect guy to feud with. I mean, for about a year, like halfway through 2008, till halfway through 2009, Jeff Hardy was like on par with John Cena as the top babyface mm. in the company mm. and having punk go in there, uh, beat him, embarrass him and ultimately kick him out of the company. I uh, got a lot of heat on punk that they just kind of squashed when they put him in with undertaker right afterwards. Yeah,
1: 100. percent
0: Yeah, definitely. Because um obviously he then goes into, you know, his frustrations with not being used properly, which is quite interesting. And then obviously we move to the now infamous pipe bomb. I, I noticed that um, you know, his time as leader of the new Nexus is uh quickly, <laughs> over, which I, I think you know, I imagine they fetched that up to him and uh, like, nah, come nah, on let's <laughs> let's move straight to the end. And um <laughs> Obviously, the pipe bomb has got lots of airplay, uh, you know, and, and lots of talk over the years. And obviously, it being the um, 10th anniversary of it this year and they show, the whole thing in it, it's a charity year. And Obviously, I remember it at the time and we talked a bit at the start about it. It really hooked me and you were like, wow, this is something really different. And I just wanted to get your thoughts. Um, obviously, you know, we can talk about everything with hindsight now, but just um, thoughts and memories of sort of like watching the uh, pipe bomb for the first time, Andrew
1: that that I I think that promo is like gonna be one of those things that like really like it, it, it's, it's, it's cliche as cliche as a comment as it is it really is gonna be one of those things that you know that's up there with the you know the, the Austin 316 stuff and you know so some of like I guess uh some of the famous catchphrases or, or most popular catchphrases in pro wrestling history or like it, it it's gonna be up there with those moments forever like because Like, I don't think anybody was expecting anything like that to come out of CM Punk's mouth. You know, him mentioning Colcabano on national TV and, you know, mentioning Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling and, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, WWE has done that sporadically over the years. Like, I think the last time they even mentioned New Japan on TV was when the Viking Raiders won the uh, Raw Tag Titles a few years back and they shocked the hell out of me and said IWGP and ROH. And I was like, okay, here (laughs) we go. I guess they they they're acknowledging that other wrestling does exist, but uh yeah that 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 pipe bomb from I think that thing is going whole weight. I don't even know until 50, 60 some years from now. Like that 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 was definitely one of the more special moments in you know in in the history of wrestling to me. I think and like I never understood the argument that like people make. Like and I've seen it more more recently because of the rumors about CM Punk and him possibly. Uh, getting back in the ring like people have this like idea that like CM Punk quote-unquote ruined wrestling in, in the sense of like allowing people to complain more about stuff which I never really understood because I'm like people were complaining about pro wrestling as far as like making like as far as certain things happening that they didn't like and voicing those openly like on message boards and stuff like that like martin me you even talked about how chris jericho got fed up about <laughs> about people complaining about the uh the match he had with rbd at the king of the ring and that he wrote like a whole essay on his website about it because people kept talking <laughs> bad about it on the uh on the message boards you know what i'm saying like i, uh,
2: I like how you write out like his on, on the last episode i like how you like write out his entire just feel going <laughs> off on all these people <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, like the, the the I guess quote the the quote unquote internet wrestling community didn't begin when CM Punk, uh, dropped the pipe bomb like that. That that was not when that began. I think people just he, he just called you know spoke his piece on on WWE and you know said said a lot of things that people were thinking and kind of still think to this day. So like I don't think CM Punk had anything to do. I I think that did more good for wrestling than anything. Uh, not not anything, but I, I just think that did good for, for for wrestling overall. I don't think there was anything bad coming out of that promo. Like pe- people co- people are going to have their complaints about certain stuff in wrestling, regardless. And I don't think that just originated when CM Punk came in the, like and and did that promo on John Cena that day.
0: Yeah, because obviously there have been critics of it and said, oh, this was the beginning of sort of like, you know, crowds sort of like taking over shows and things like that. But I don't agree with that. And I certainly agree with what Andrew's saying there, Eric, that, you know, this is one of the sort of like my iconic promos of the past sort of like, you know, 15 to 20 years and certainly well-remembered, you know, you know, I'm breaking the fourth wall and all that sort of thing. But um, you said, you know, obviously this was sort of like, you know, your slide into stopping watching wrestling, wasn't it?
2: Yes, but I wouldn't equate the CM Punk pushed to the top mm. with that at all? I thought he was actually like the only thing that was keeping me on. Uh, the pipe bomb promo, it had so much uh, life to it and realism to it that it felt as though nothing else in the product had at the time. I mean, the main event scene was rough in 2011. You had, you still had Cena but they had, I believe this was in the middle of one of uh, Randy Orton's very ill-fated babyface turns. I don't know why they ever do that, but he was, Mm. he was off doing nothing. And then a lot of your biggest stars and most charismatic speakers had all left in about the year prior, Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho, Batista, uh, Jeff Hardy, all these guys who were portrayed as main eventers and stars for years, kind of left at the same time. And the guys on the come up that they were looking at at the time, like, Seamus and mm-hmm. Alberto Del Rio and uh, The Miz, uh, John Morrison. It, it wasn't exciting at all. And I think this promo from Punk just, it felt so different from what we were seeing on a week-by-week basis. Uh, yeah. It made you excited to tune in the next week.
1: Yeah, it's like, it, especially considered like w- w- like how Martin mentioned, Like I think a good point he mentioned is like when you can go back and, and look at this from our 2021 as and realize how, how, how much sense punk was making in is in in, in in some of the stuff that he was saying, if not most of the stuff like he was talking about, how how The Rock came back and they announced that he was going to be in the main event of WrestleMania for the next year's WrestleMania. Like I'm I'm pretty sure if you're a top talent at that time, you probably thinking like that's some bullshit right there. Like you know what I'm saying? And and everybody knows like come on, like all right, The Rock is the rock. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like he he's the rock. You can't compare star power compared to anybody else on that roster at the time but still imagine you on the road 300 some days out of the year just for them to announce that somebody who com- who's going to come in maybe 10 times a year maybe and wrestle twice a year has already locked down the spot for next year's wrestlemania you know what i'm saying that, that that's probably annoying as hell and like you could you could kind of hear punk's frustration about that when he mentioned uh Talking about Dwayne and talking about how big of an ass he was and stuff like that and all that all that stuff and of course the the infamous line about how he thought that uh, WWE would be better off after Vince McMahon has transitioned and you know he but but but, <laughs> but he still tra- <laughs> transitioned but but, but 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 he thinks that uh it's it's, it's you know what he said he says he's gonna get taken over by his idiotic daughter and his doofus son in law. <laughs> and then, like, like I always think, like, at that part, like, when he said, because the mic, the, they, they cut his mic, like, right after that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, after he said that, I always think in my mind, like, so one, one of them was probably like, all right now, cut, uh, like, wrap, wrap it up.
2: Uh, right <laughs> as he starts talking <laughs> about the uh, the Make-A-Wish Foundation, oh, or I mean, be, a star, be a star, be a star, that's uh-huh. when they cut him off. Yeah,
1: that's a good point. No, <laughs> yeah. you, you're right, though. I think that's exactly when they cut him off, when, they, when he was talking about uh, somebody being a bully or something like that. And he was like, he said, he's like, this. Man. he said something like he was like the biggest bully or something, or something
0: along those lines. And that's when they shut him right off. I'm sure yeah, it was all planned,
2: but of, it, it was great. Yeah.
0: Or, or it might have been a case of go out and say what you want. And then they were like, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> getting a bit too close to the bone now. But I suppose, Before we get into sort of like the aftermath of that, because this is where the uh, documentary ends, doesn't it? You know, it sort of ends with his title win over Cena and, and, you know, and him coming back to the company. But we'll more on that later. But I just wanted to get your... Guys, final thoughts uh, just about the the documentary as 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 a whole. Just before we get into money in the bank, money in the bank 2011 and beyond, that just uh, your thoughts on the uh, documentary, how it was produced, and just how punk came across in this, Andrew.
1: Yeah, I I do think it was a uh, it, it was a really good documentary. Like for, you know, what was it about? Like a, almost two hours, mm. like in near, near that range. Like I I do I did like the part when they got a lot of, you know, they 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 didn't gloss over his independent career like I, I really like that they didn't do that like because you you know we, we, we've seen this quite a few times like in in, in some documentaries not all but like they'll kind of you know oh yeah you know they'll mention that the guy had a very successful independent run and then they'll be like oh yeah but you know he really made his name when he got the NXT or W, you know what I'm saying it's like mm-hmm. stuff like that so I, I'm glad that they really did acknowledge that Punk had a name for himself before he got to WWE and then he was like kind of that you know big fish in a bigger in a way bigger pond and then like he eventually grew to be a bigger fish and whatever analogies i'm trying to put together right now but like i i think punk you know i, I think this was a really well put doc well put together documentary you know i i it kind of feels like he maybe has some say in it like i know that he did uh he, he did select all the music for the documentary he didn't want i remember he said on the interview he didn't want wwe using like um any of like like the generic music for, for, for any part of the documentary. Like he, like, hand-selected everything, I think.
2: Get some so, yeah. saliva and Nickelback yeah. and a bit of Creed.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh, I, I did enjoy the documentary, man. What about you, Eric?
2: Yeah, I mean, the WWE, if there's one thing I can say about them, they know how to make a good documentary. They, yeah. they can do anything. Like, they, they'll have... A uh, WWE 24 uh, fucking Backlash 2019 and it's just people showing up to the arena and saying oh we <laughs> have a match tonight and I'm enthralled for like an hour and a half I'm like wow this is fantastic right. but this one stands out from the pack because it doesn't just blend in with all the other ones a lot of the artistic choices not just Punk's song but like the way they, they'll show the quotes on the screens actually gain the footage from the indies I thought this this one really stood out it was really well produced yeah
0: yeah, definitely. I do agree with you there, Eric. I think, you know, WWE excel at this stuff and, um, you know, it would be, you know, it's good that you do get the oral, all the ROH footage in here and, it, and I just love it if WWE could get their hands on the full uh, ROH archive and do like a full comprehensive uh, history of ROH one day. But that's, uh, mm. that's by the by because obviously 10 years ago this month, uh, you know, Was Money in the Bank uh, 2011? So let's
2: get into that match now. Hold on, hold on. Before we completely move on, there's one thing from the documentary. He he goes off on The Miz, doesn't he? Like, dude, (laughs) they were sharing a locker room at the time.
1: (laughs) So, hey, do y'all remember when The Miz was on WWE backstage? What was that early last year or late 20? What, what, or late? What, what, when was that? Daniel Bryan.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that was like, so like, 2019 yeah late yeah,
1: whenever punk came back to uh to, to when he was on the wwe on fox you know backstage mm. show i remember when miz said something and i think he he like mentioned punk but didn't say his name along some along those lines of like what when punk came back he was like you know i'm trying to uh change change oh head. yeah, yeah and, 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 <laughs> oh, and, then, and then punk punk was like you could suck like a saudi arabia blood money covered you do know, the, i was yeah. like what
2: <laughs> yeah and, and it then, was like, crazy
1: he, and then he deleted the tweet <laughs> and then like <laughs> and, like i was like like and then now that eric mentioned that i was like they, they, they must have had some type of issue oh you know, 100 yes. because like then you have an issue with like Miz main event wrestlemania because he yeah. like, put that up like in the documentary
2: yeah, that he goes off on the Miz. I'm better at this guy than everything. Why is he in the main event? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, I can and see also, Miz probably issues.
0: felt, um, you know, a the bit odd done by by because he's in this documentary praising punk all over the place. Oh, yeah. And he probably watched <laughs> it when it came out. And he's like, hang on, I spent quite <laughs> a this time doing this interview and doing this so you can see why he probably riled uh, Miz up the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: for sure, man. I, I'm, that that's so funny that you mentioned that. Like, as soon as you said that, I was like, I remember when they had that little. Uh, back and forth and then punk deleted the tweet i was like because he, he he went he went off on the Miz. i was like what, what was all that for like i'm, I'm just
2: I, shocked i made it into a wwe produced documentary in 2012 <laughs> oh, or 2013 yeah. like when they're both still fully active player i i'm very surprised they didn't cut that but yeah
0: wow. oh apparently vince loves the boys fighting fighting with each oh, other yeah, yeah, apparently course, he's stoking that brett out and show michael's fire he loves all that shit doesn't he yeah. but um CM
2: said, Punk
1: versus The Miz. It's it's the modern yeah. day bread and Sean. <laughs> <laughs> I, I say, uh, but before we get like, I, I think that one of the things that really also kind of stood out to me in the documentary was Joey uh, Mercury's change of tone about CM Punk throughout the doc. Like at first, you know, when they caught him early, he was like, you know, he really wasn't a fan of, of Punk at all because he thought he was arrogant and cocky, and you know, this and that and the other. And then later, later on, you know, he was talking about how like Punk basically saved his house from getting foreclosed. And like, he was just talking about how, like, how good of a friend Punk was to him later on, like even through Joey's troubles, like he was like, Punk was like there for him, like helping him out financially, like mentally, emotionally, mm. like he was just being a friend. So it was like really interesting to see how his tone changed about Punk, you know, seeing as how he basically admitted that he did not like him, you know, when they first met and then fast forward all those years later, he... Of, ended up referring to punk as you know probably his best friend if not one of his closest friends
0: yeah definitely it did seem like you know he sort of like helped him out a lot and it certainly came across in the documentary for sure um but any sort of final thoughts on the documentary before we go on to uh money in the bank uh, that's it but,
1: yeah did cool. i say anything else eric no nah. yeah. let's say I, I, like what so so i mean i don't really think this had anything to do with documentary but it was just one thing i like like speaking about Punk's frustrations in WWE, like one thing that kind of stood out to me from a, I think it was the interview he did with Renee. He was talking about like how uh Vince McMahon would like hide certain endorsement deals from certain talents, mm. like so they so they couldn't like he, he would like hide certain things from some talents and like give it to the talent that he wants. Like it was so weird, dude. Like he was like Punk had like a couple. Punk was like he had like a couple like movie offers on the table or like endorsement deals or uh uh, uh, uh like you know just j- just advertising stuff and like they would like hide them from him and then like give it to other talents. And like, he like found that out like years later, like when the company he visited was like, Hey, you know, we tried to reach out to you. We wanted you to be like a main guy for one of our commercials. And he was like, I never heard anything about that. And he was like, well, you know, we did send it to WWE and they was like, Oh no, he can't do it right now. And I was like, that's some bullshit right there. Like that, 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 they, they, you you blocking somebody from having the opportunity to further grow your company by having a bigger name like I I never understood that 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 never made sense and I even heard Matt Hardy say that happened to him a couple of times like Matt Matt he's he, he had like a shoe deal or something like that I wasn't gonna buy no damn Matt Hardy shoes but like he, still the fact that he, <laughs> the fact that he had a shoe deal and they like kept that away from him and that's make basically a way for him to grow his name and that's in turn helping you out because he has a bigger name like why wouldn't you go all out with that like they i i really don't get the 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 structure of which wwe operates at all No,
2: he mentions how he tried to get uh tried to get in sponsors to wear on his gear and then yeah. the wwe shut that down and brock lesnar brock shows Lester up looking back. like a billboard <laughs> <laughs> brock does what brock wants yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs>
0: Yeah, he talked a lot about that in the Cavana interview as well, didn't he, about, like, you know, and, and movies and stuff like that, and then he'd find out that, you know, someone else was in the movie that he'd right. been offered, you know, a couple of months later, but I suppose, uh, you know, probably uh, John Cena, I'd imagine, but um, yeah, anyway, so on to sort of like 10 years ago this month, you know, infamous match now, Money in the Bank 2011, and re-watching this now punk coming out in his hometown of chicago you know with the whole saying his contract was due the day after really obviously brilliant storyline going in one of the biggest reactions must be in the past sort sure. 15 years especially in wwe you never see any reactions like this anymore well apart from the Cena one we got the other week but um you know Meltzer gave this one five stars at the time and i remember really enjoying it but um how does it hold up for for you eric um all these years later
2: i thought this match was a ton of fun i mean the crowd was as heated as you will ever see a crowd and those two those two two guys cm punk and john cena they're performers who know how to play off a crowd perfectly they know how to milk each expression and move for all it's worth i don't know if for me it'd be like a five-star match because it's not entirely what i want my my type of wrestling mm-hmm. but i still loved every second of it and especially the finish the crowd uh the second near fall where Cena hits him with the AA and goes for a pin, I knew the result. I've watched this before, mm. and I still almost bit on it. And when Punk kicked out, uh, the response from the crowd was phenomenal.
1: Yeah, the, the crowd, one hundred percent, made this whole from like from the entrance to the to, to the final ring bill, They they one hundred percent made this match like like I I think Cena is like Punk's like best dance partner in the ring. Like see the like I I, I definitely think Cena. Doesn't get doesn't get credit for his role in like and, and he 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 didn't I, I'm not gonna say he he didn't make Punk in the slightest, but him being there made it better because I think if, they, if you would have yeah. slotted anybody else in that role, it wouldn't have been. It's the not same. the
2: same. Yeah, yeah like, but the
1: fact that they had John Cena there, like, and him having the mixed reactions that he have, like that he had, is like it, that 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 made that even more better, and it just further took Punk. To the next level. And like that, that, that Chicago crowd, but they, they, they wanted punk so bad, man. Like you, it's like even before the music hit, the, the whole CM Punk and the, like, I, I'm like one of those, I'm a big production guy. Like, I, I really like how they had like the Roman camera at the top of the arena. And you see people like, like, you can see people like starting to begin the, the CM Punk chance, and everybody getting on their feet and then like having the camera just pan over to the entrance way before. And then like, so, so did you see his, uh, his his signature hit the screen like you see all these people just get up on they feet like that was like grade A like camera work production and the, the crowd played their part. CM Punk was over his hell like like yeah, I, I kind of like kind of sort of harken that match to um sort of like uh rocking that other guy at WrestleMania
2: 18. <laughs> yeah, the other guy, t- t- yeah. That,
1: that, that other guy, Terry Terry Balea. something or another. But but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but like the, the, the like Eric said, the match wasn't like, even like if I look at it today, it, it was a good match, but I think the crowd made it better than what it was. And not that it was a bad match, they just added so much to it. Like if you strip away the crowd from that match, that's not as good as a match as you think it is. Like especially, especially considering with Rock and Balea. Like if you strip away the crowd from that, that match is not as great as it yeah as it is as it holds up so but i mean they, they definitely still had a really good match but I, I just think the crowd just added so much and they 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 just want to see him pump
2: yeah I, I can definitely see the similarities there although i will say the wrestling in this one was a yeah, lot the, better, was, far better. Even, far with, better. <laughs> even with the worst <laughs> crowd this would still be a really good match but, <laughs> but yeah that, that's a good call
0: yeah the crowd definitely elevates it you know above sort of like you know any other and and it's just a perfect meeting between these two you know CM Punk's the anti-company guy, anti-hero and seen as like, you know, the full-on company yeah. guy, the corporate guy sort of thing. And it's mm-hmm. just a perfect match made in heaven sort of thing. The only thing that does not annoy me about the match, you get this amazing reaction and, and then Jerry Lawler. And I know they're trying to get it over to the audience at home about what a reaction it is. We can hear it. We don't need these guys talking all over the entrance. Right. I think they should have just left it and Bro, then sort, oh of, sort of like talking <laughs> after Cena came out. It's like they're just gathering on, and I suppose it's another WWE trope, isn't it, where the commentators talk too much over, you know, yeah. big moments, and I feel like they should have just let that one play out, in, you know, with just with the crowd and, and Punk, I think that would have made it slightly better. But, yeah, definitely the, the crowd elevated this from being sort of like, you know, your standard match, and, and it's obviously fondly looked back on these days. And, um. I mean, yeah, it's I so- that,
1: that that's one of the things right there. When whenever a big moment is happening, this is a moment, like
2: a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> WrestleMania this, moment. This, this is a moment.
1: I'm like, please, man. Like, like I'm, I'm, I know you was about to get to the next thing, but like, it, 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 it like really, like especially by the WWE. Not to get too far off topic, but like, it just it, it really baffles me sometimes. Like when I see like, and we, Mar- me, you, Beno, literally talked about this mm-hmm. when we was on the stream, like. John Cena coming back, right? That, that, okay, that first of all, like that reaction was fucking thunderous, bro. Like that was unreal. Like that reaction that he got, but like it it really says a lot that Cena has been away for a, a full year and he hasn't been full time, and I don't know how long, maybe two years or three years, four years, and like he comes back, right? And nobody on the roster could get a, could could generate a reaction like him. Mm-hmm. Like I, I would probably say the only person that can generate that type of reaction outside of Roman Reigns is probably, probably Becky Lynch. Like, not, not even a probably, I think Becky Lynch could probably do that. Like, but the, just the fact that they don't have at least three or four people or five people that can get that big pop like that, like that, 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 that really says a lot. Like I think the last time they even had a, like a massive super reaction like that was what, was probably when Austin came back at that raw 25 <laughs> show
2: maybe edge when he, when edge, he came edge, back edge. Yeah. i forgot about i forgot about i forgot yeah. about edge
1: can't forget about it. I ain't, i'm not going to bypass edge but like um yeah that that's like edge austin you know you you guess you could throw becky lynch in there at some point like but it's like they 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 really struggle like with like trying to move the the their current crop of talents to that next level to where they can generate a reaction
0: like that you know what i'm saying oh, yeah definitely yeah but it, it, even even so, like still like just hearing that one now, you just like wow, it's just insane to hear a, a crowd like that. Sort of like even these days, despite the sort of like Cena one that he got, because I'm still I'm still unsure that they're not manipulating things now that they've got <laughs> so used to it with the Thunderdome. But um, enough of, enough of my conspiracy theories, because it's it's it's. It's insane to watch this now, you know, thinking about at, at the time we had all this excitement about Punk going off with the WWE title. You know, who is he going to be de- defending it all over the Indies? What's going to happen next? You know, <laughs> and you just feel so yeah. silly thinking about that stuff now because we did have little bits of that. You know, obviously, Gate crashed the WWE um, toy panel at San Diego Comic Con and then mm-hmm. even went to a, an all American wrestling show like an independent. And so much excitement at what this could have been, but then he comes back. And this has essentially turned into a Kevin Nash versus Triple H feud. I mean, this has to be (laughs) up there with the invasion as one of the most promise-filled
2: stories that turn into absolute crap, I think, Uh Eric complete disaster on all accounts. I mean, they they so punk leaves So like, oh, we need a we need a new champion and they do this tournament where the finals is Rey Mysterio versus The Miz, you know, beloved babyface Rey and hated heel The Miz and Rey Mysterio wins. It's this beautiful moment to start the night. Rey Mysterio is the WWE <laughs> champion. And then fucking an hour and a half later, fucking John Cena comes out, challenges Rey to a match, beats him, and then all of a sudden Punk's back. <laughs> It was, it was horrible. Mm, and like that, you said, it, this turned into like CM Punk versus Kevin Nash. And then Kevin Nash didn't get cleared, so it was CM Punk versus Triple H. And then Triple H beats Punk. Jesus and uh, then it's Kevin Nash versus Triple H. Alberto Del Rio is the champion. It's mm. it, it sucked.
1: <laughs> Brother, but the best thing to come out of that uh, Kevin Nash CM Punk scenario was when CM Punk read the messages from his little sister or yeah. something like that. He was like, "Is that Kevin Nash?" LOL thought he was dead. He was dead.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was probably the best thing that came out of that whole scenario. But <laughs> but the, was... the tri- tri- Triple H beating Punk was like the most questionable decision mm. slash Triple H telling, "Well, you know, I think he could really benefit. You know, if he lost, you know, if I if I got to win over him."
2: Yeah, it's it's like Martin said. I think when we look at back at the biggest the biggest failings on just building with what's right in front of you, this is up there like with the invasion level. that's that's how big they blew this one. I mean, like I said, this is kind of when I was stopping watching. and aside from punk, I'm trying to think what was good at the time. there, there was Randy Orton and Christian. they were having they were doing some good stuff. And then <laughs> aside from that, the punk feud was a mess as entertaining as he was and what else was going on nothing memorable right no nothing. Uh, no i think you
0: summed it up there yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much the punk v Christians, i'm um, sorry the OM uh, v christian stuff was uh, pretty decent and then and that was it pretty much but um and also you know in terms of disappointments, you know, we've obviously got to mention, you know, Daniel Bryan winning the title and going straight into a feud with Kane. That's got to be up there. Oh, no.
2: <laughs> See, I can look back at that one and at least think, okay, Bryan was probably, you know, going to get injured and be gone for a long time mm-hmm. regardless. But this one was just like complete fumbling yeah
0: you had him you had him sort of like in his prime and you you did all this with him because obviously he did stay with the company for a couple more years you know even having that massive title run which is pretty decent then obviously faced undertaker at wrestlemania stared at the lights for the rock but then obviously you know he infamously now showed the january 27th 2014 episode of raw and we haven't seen him and Wrestle. that's why I started.
2: That's that's why I started watching again. Funny enough. <laughs> like there was just there's so much news at the time. I was like, oh my god, Punk walked out. Batista's back. What, what's going on with Daniel Bryan? I need to tune in, and mm-hmm. they got me back. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, just to me thoughts on his
0: exit um, here, Andrew. I mean, obviously playing devil's advocate. Obviously, I don't feel this way, but some people, you know, point to this as seeing Punk being a bit of a crybaby and sort of like you know, bemoaning the fact that, you know, he left WWE when he was still sort of like, um, you know, on top and perhaps, you know, he might have gone down the Daniel Bryan route and he'd have stayed on a bit more. But, you know, I can't believe any of that. But in terms of like, you from the company and him never going back there. What are your thoughts on sort of like the the way he left it with
1: WWE? Man, shit, the the, the, judging by the way people still talking about him now, like it it don't even matter. Like it, it, (laughs) it, it, it seemed like it didn't even really, I mean, like, of course, we are looking at it back now. Like, I'm talking about, like, of course, you know, now how we still talk about CM Punk or how people still talking about CM Punk. But, like, his exit, man, like, I mean, we, we, we are different people. Like, you can't I, – I think a, a lot of people look at that and judge it based off of how they believe they would have handled that situation. But, like, a lot of people say a lot of different things until that thing happens. And then now you present it with option A or option B, and then you got to make a decision. You know what I'm saying? Like, a mm-hmm. lot of people say they would do a certain thing in a certain situation, and then when they get put in that situation, they do the exact opposite of what they say they would do. So, I mean, I I really it's, it's, it's kind of, like, difficult to, like, judge Punk. Like, I mean, you know, I, I of course, I don't think any of us know him personally, but, like, he goes about certain things in the way that he feels he should, and he spoke up about certain stuff. And, you know, I, I don't think he said anything wrong. Like, just from judging from the stuff he said on the Cabana podcast, he just... Spoke his mind, and, you know, he he wanted to, it, it, for, for me, bro, like, it, it really did just boil down to, I think he wanted to be in the main event of WrestleMania. I, I, I know that seems like such a minuscule thing among, like, all the other troubles he had, but I really feel like that bothered him, like, the fact that he was the top guy for so long, and, well, for those two years or, or three years, and it seemed like he really just got bypassed by, what was it two rock and cena matches i think it was mm-hmm. yeah and like i and then he had that match with undertaker at mania and that that was a really good match like i think he probably gave taker one of his best mania matches like i would say i probably put that like maybe in the for sure in the top 5 like undertaker matches at mania like for sure but uh yeah i i just i think that really did bother punk more than he lets on because like you you know you you position as a top guy for so long you would think at some point it would come across that like you know hey you know let's put this guy he should be headlining headlining his major event and like he, i i don't I, I don't really i don't even think that daniel bryan would have main event at wrestlemania that year had punk not left i really don't i don't, I don't think they like of course i think we all know at this point it's like clear as day even though they try to take credit for the quote unquote yes move it as much as they can and they act like it's some formulated thing like they, they didn't want Brian in that spot that people forced them to put Brian in that spot so um, yeah I, I don't really blame Punk at all for how he uh, exited because like it, it's real easy to say how we or, or even myself would have handled a certain situation but like when you in that situation and you going through that like you know you, you can only make your decision just based off how you feeling in that moment or at that time
0: Hmm. Yeah, because obviously, you know, he he didn't, he hasn't come back to wrestling, you know, and obviously we'll get to um to that in a bit. But I mean, we couldn't have you on the show, Eric, without talking his um. His, uh, his oh, MMA man. career. This be- gonna be a real
2: short conversation.
1: Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, oh wait, oh wait, Eric, don't don't forget one of those got overturned.
2: Don't- no, <laughs> no, I would never forget.
0: <laughs> I mean, obviously, he didn't last too long. Sort of like you know, in his career, you know, only having a, barely a handful of matches. But I mean, in terms of, was he a success at the pay per views and and things like that? Did he draw some eyes to UFC? Who might not be uh, buying any UFC pay per views? Mm.
2: Not, not really. To be honest, there was a slight bump on that first one he did against Mickey mm-hmm. Gall, which I think there was definitely some curiosity going into that one. Uh, obviously, it was it was a mismatch, and Gall beat him pretty easily. But uh, his second one against Mike Jackson, which was a horrible fight, that was later turned to a no contest because uh, Mike Jackson he smoked weed, so you know, <laughs> basically anabolic steroids can't have that on the record books uh there there is no bump for that one uh, it was i wouldn't say it was, it was a, a failing because it was something on his behalf that is because it was something he really wanted to do and you can tell he put the time the effort into it but as they say in the documentary he's not a naturally athletic person he mm. was in his late 30s and he was he was competing in the ufc that's <laughs> that's insane to think there would be any success there Uh Brock Lesnar is a once-in-a-lifetime example of somebody who can just pop into something and be like, all right, I guess I'm the best at this. Mm. It's, <laughs> <laughs> I, I respect CM Punk, actually, for, for doing what he did, and he's still very into jujitsu and the martial arts world. He does commentary for cage warriors, mm-hmm. and he's good at it. But uh, from the UFC's perspective, uh, I don't think it was any, anything of note. Do you think it hurt in terms
0: of like the the in terms of him being a draw in terms of the promos because he was saying you know I'm not going to be like doing the promos that I yeah. sort of like doing in WWE? Do you think he'd gone more into sort of like a character, you know, in terms of like you know drawing people's eyes to it? Do you think he you might have had more success not in terms of like his fighting ability but in terms of like drawing a bigger audience to his matches?
2: A hundred percent. He's an excellent speaker and. I understand him not wanting to be, uh, you know, that guy going into the sport kind of like a Paul Brothers approach of just, oh, these <laughs> MMA guys aren't real, I'll show them. I, he's very, He was very respectful and very honest about his abilities, but uh, the UFC, from their perspective, I think they definitely would have preferred the trash-talking, uh, great speaker CM Punk. Instead, it was kind of Mickey Gall who was doing most of the talking going into it.
1: Mm. I, I feel like Punk was very strategic and not trying to boast about himself too much or go into that WWE character. Yeah. Like, j- j- just out of the thought that he might get beat, and then it will be maybe twice as embarrassing if he was talking trash, and then he got whooped, and then, you know, like, it, it I feel like it kind of just alleviated. Even though even though I still remember, like, people were clowning him for, for him losing, but I feel like that was alleviated because he wasn't like boasting about it and being in sort of character mode as he was, you know, going into that fight, into those
2: fights. Yeah. He, he was very humble, but it was, it was in a way, a very insane task that he was even <laughs> something there. Like John Pollock actually said it pretty well when he did the rewind, uh, rewind away for UFC 189. Okay. So UFC 189, CM Punk is in attendance and the camera will pan to him a couple of times. And we have Robbie Lawler, the welterweight champion at the time, fighting Roy McDonald, one of the most uh, gruesome, bloody five-round fights you'll ever see. At the end, Lawler, who has his lip half torn off, hematoma (laughs) over his head. He looks like a mess but he's yelling with complete euphoria because he just smashed Roy McDonald's face in and he's still the champion and he's walking out of the cage and he's shouting, I'm a fucking fighter. And then the camera pans off to the UFC's newest welterweight CM Punk. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> this is what you're getting yourself into, mate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Poor old Punk. Yeah. I guess he should have seen the writing on the wall then, shouldn't he? But, um, I suppose um, we've scared around it enough, you know, the big elephant in the room. So I'll I'll go to the, you know, we, we can talk a bit about it in depth. But um, Andrew, as CM Punk signed with AEW. So, <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: so we no, I don't think anybody really knows. So okay, so it, it was first, like the, the first I ever heard of anything about Punk return was, was from uh, Sean Rossap over at Fightful, and he yeah. reported that. Uh, punk was in talks about an in-ring return now I think a lot of people like spun his reporting in a way like that that kind of normally happens when it's a really big story like people kind of take certain bits and pieces and then like mixes it up and then it, it becomes a whole different thing so he never exactly wrote that punk was going to AEW he just added in the notion that you would think that AEW would be the likely destination opposed to a wwe and people sort of took that and was like you know punk is going to AEW, and you know i, I can see why people would do that but that's not just to clarify you know on the reporting aspect that's not exactly what he mm. said but like you you can definitely see why people would think that AEW would be the likely landing spot for for a punk returning. and then you know you got punk uh doing his usual trolling thing he put the um on his instagram page he put up a a, a, a like like a a highlight clip of the, the, the what's the, what's the michael Jordan theme song that they were you let the Lord
2: oh yeah Dum, yeah yeah the Alan Parsons yeah. project yeah
1: exactly <laughs> he, he had put like a thing like on his Instagram like I, I don't think that anybody will be able to figure out like what punk is like what as far as like what his next movie because he Punk been trolling people on the internet for I don't know how long. Oh, yeah. So I, like, to, to try to figure... I'm talking about as far as people, like, trying to figure, like, based off his social media stuff. Like, I saw people, they were like, oh, you know, Live in Color uh, followed AEW on Twitter or, or CM Punk followed AEW on Twitter and stuff like that. I'm like, CM Punk is, like, the biggest troll. He mm-hmm. he, will fi- he will find a way to, you know, make people think a certain thing. Like, you now, e- even, like, you know, we've seen the reports and stuff come out about... uh Daniel Bryan, or we might be calling him Bryan Danielson again, but, like, he, um, like, I don't think we'll be able to figure out anything about him, because he ain't, he's, I don't think Bryan is even on social media, to be honest with you, but, like, just Punk, like, I I, I, I would think, you know, that if he is coming back to wrestling, AEW is probably going to be the likely of and especially a lot of people are anticipating that to be at All Out, especially because they had, what, three shows that week in Chicago in the same arena. They got the Rampage show, the Dynamite taping, and they got All Out. So you would think at one of those shows, mm. you know, you had Punk there. Like, if I was just fantasy booking it, I would have him debut at the Rampage show. Like, that's just me because I think that Dynamite going into that is going to be stacked. And All Out, I think that I think there are going to be a bunch of crowning moments that night. But I think the main thing should be circled around Hangman Page if he is going to eventually – dethroned omega and you and like give you if you debut if you debut punk at all out like that's gonna be like the main you know what i'm saying yeah. like like that's that that's gonna be the headline thing
0: it's gonna get all the press in there that's ex- gonna get all the ex- coverage yeah ex- exactly that's gonna be like
1: the main thing that everybody's gonna be talking about that and as great as a moment as hangman page winning the world title could be like come on you you can't compare that to cm punk making his pro wrestling return after but 2011, I mean 2014, mm. seven years since he's been involved in wrestling, like outside of that, uh, that running he did at the Silas Young Independent Show that he claims he didn't do, which we all <laughs> know he did. But like, um, yeah, like I, I just think that they have a lot of if he is truly going to pop up at AEW, they have like a variety of different uh, options to bring him in, and I think the best route would be to debut him on one of the TV shows and then promote his promo for the next week's dynamite the pop rating because i'm pretty sure people would tune in to dynamite off the strength of you know knowing that cm punk is going to speak for the first time on a national tv level about you know what he's doing and you know i'm pretty sure they'll if that is the case they'll probably announce something about him being sound or something along those lines but like yeah i ain't into to go a whole rant about it but like it's it, it is exciting it's an exciting time to be a fan like it's exciting time to be covering it like especially with the you know the idea of them bringing in both brian and punk like that's you know that's that that's massive bro like that's it, anybody that tries to downplay the idea of daniel Bryan and cm punk joining the company within the span of you know, we don't know how long, how many months. Like that, that's massive. Like those are two like game changing talents. Like e- even at their age, like just the the star power and the popularity and the intrigue and interest that they can bring in alone, with the with with, with what they've done, they've reached the upper upper echelon of WWE. Like that, that that I think that's gonna do so much good for AEW, and I I do think that they will be able to sort of just, just judging by their track record, they'll be able to manage Brian and Punk being placed in place within the, the structure of how things go without hindering the up and coming talents that they have, like the Darby Allens and the hangman pages who are, you know, closing dynamite, you know what I'm saying? with the Ricky Starks and guys like that, who are on the up and up that are already, you know, sort, sort of kind of, you know, AW is turning them into main main event talents and, you know, just throwing them out there to the wolves and, you know, seeing if they swing or swim. So, it's exciting, man. It's going to be interesting to see how, you know, things shake out for, for you know, for AEW over the next uh, whatever months until these reports either, you know, come true or they don't come true.
0: Yeah, it is definitely an exciting time to be a wrestling fan. But if, if you know, he does uh, end up in AEW and he has spoken at length you know, in a variety of interviews about saying you don't want to go backwards, he just wants to move forward, he wants new feuds, interesting storylines, you know, the money's great, but he's more interested in sort of like an interesting story or, you know, something to really interest him. Eric, who could you see him sort of like, you know, feuding with, having matches with, because the, I can't see him wanting to sort of like, you know, go in there and, and sort of face like, you know, Chris Jericho and stuff. He seems to be more interested in, in facing the sort of like younger
2: guys and the more up-and-coming talents. I think, with the exception of your, you know, your older guys like Jericho or Christian, or imagine if CM Punk went over to Dynamite to go feud with Matt Hardy, that would be <laughs> that would be something special. But I can see him working with any number of people there, and I think a lot of it would be would be very exciting. Uh, same with Brian, and I think that AW will probably have the sense to know that these aren't people that actually you don't need to see these guys wrestle every single week. Mm-hmm. You can make their mm-hmm. matches special. Uh, especially with Brian, there's so many dream matches for him that we haven't been able to see. And I can say, as someone who doesn't watch a ton of AEW, they got me to tune in last week just off the strength of these rumors. Mm. So mm. I'd imagine once, or if I should say, if any of these names actually show up, that might drive a lot of people who hadn't been watching previously.
1: Hey, hey Martin, l- Mar, let me ask you something. Right? You, 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 you watching AEW? You tuning in? And, 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 you, and you hit a final countdown you going crazy
0: oh yeah i think anybody who's a <laughs> anybody who's a wrestling fan um, i certainly prefer cm punk to have his uh, kill switch engage theme than the uh sorry i know that's a controversial one oh, but uh, wow. rather than
2: living color but uh yeah i think no, no, I, that's I could... that's a good point man that's a good point i'm glad you brought that up because when i watched that money in the bank match I, I was thinking about the same thing i was i was watching cm punk walk to the ring with his old kill switch engage theme i saw him <laughs> he got keyed as a member of the Nexus, and <laughs> <laughs> uh, I gave it some thought, though. Which theme uh, I prefer? I think I'm gonna go with Call of Personality. So you're the deciding vote here, Andrew. Uh, what what do you like? Oh,
1: man, like, so I I really do like both of those things, but like, I, I'm trying to figure out like which one. Like, I'm, I'm trying to imagine like, okay, so you play both of those songs, like the opening two seconds of each song which one would, would you think would like really generate the loudest reaction like i i, I would have to say call to personality just because of the, like the, the 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 sort of the tv switch on and off, and off t- a, antenna type thing that they, they got going on at the top of that song like i i feel like it's so, as soon as people will hear that like they just gonna absolutely lose it so yeah i i would have to say cult to personality for sure
0: for I think sure. you're probably both right. I think it's just because I prefer yeah. kill switch engage um as a band. Maybe he'll a, come back to the thing. Nexus thing. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so um just as 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 we wrap up, um, any sort of like final thoughts, Andrew, on CM Punk, the documentary, or uh, anything that we discussed on the show tonight? Uh like like amid, like uh, we talked about at
1: the top of the show. I do think that the CM Punk uh TV character that really does overshadow the in-ring work that punk put in early in his career um i, I think he is going really like when, when it's all said and done as far as like when he like truly true well i mean well i can't say truly stepped away because he's been away for seven years but like i mean if if the report does not come to be true and punk is not returning and he is truly done i still think even with his body of work and not having wrestled in seven years, I think that he will still go down as one of the greats. I do think he will go down is that I think people will always hold him in a high, high regard. And, you know, it, it, if he does come back, I think it will just be like that sort of cherry on top. And like Eric said, uh, like, I, I think it's just a matter of, they know that they don't need him to wrestle every single week. Like, I think it'll be an attraction thing. And, you know, he can ha- have the matches with, you know, some of their top talents and, you know, have, you know, play his best hits and, you know, just cap off his pro wrestling career and ride off to the sunset.
0: That's hilarious. So he's going to come in like the thing he was talking about, Dwayne, and he's a fight bomb. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, Eric, any sort of like final thoughts on CM Punk? I do agree with Andrew. You know, obviously, you know, he's already built up. uh, You know, obviously I do. I would like to see him come back to wrestling, but I think he's already built up a a big enough legacy in wrestling that he doesn't necessarily need to come back to, uh, you know, fulfill his legacy, so to speak.
2: No, he certainly doesn't need to come back. But if it's something that he wants to do and he's something that that he's still passionate about, Uh, Well, you know what? I'll say it like this. There's only so many, there's a ton of wrestlers in the industry right now who are phenomenal in ring workers, but there's only so many people who can really connect with the audience at that top level. Mm. And he's one of them. He's near the very top of that list. So I think if he's back in professional wrestling in any capacity, it's a bonus to everybody.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that's um, a good way to... uh wrap up the show but obviously eric we talked uh, at the top of the show about obviously you know a lot of bellator stuff coming up this um uh, this week on post wrestling but um eric week yep, eric week on <laughs> 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 but, um, any other places that um you know you want to plug or where people can check out more of your shows and stuff
2: you can check out all of my articles, all MMA related on postwrestling.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric 705 And you can come talk to me at postwrestling.com slash Discord. The MMA community is very active there. There
1: we go. We, we 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 gotta put over Eric's MMA articles, uh, uh, some of his Bellator slash UFC or, or UFC reports, very comprehensive. He does a great job on these. I've seen these, most of them. He is very, 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 very talented writer. I don't know how the hell he does the play-by-play stuff, like, especially <laughs> keeping up with everything that goes on and, like, making it understandable for people to
0: read. So
2: Oh, yeah. I, I just make it all up. now that actually <laughs> happens. I, I know no one's watching the Bellator prelims, so I'll just <laughs> say whatever. <laughs> No, that's down.
0: that's an art in it's itself, word, being able to do, like, play-by-play play and stuff. So, obviously, yeah, hats up sure. to you and completely agree with that, Andrew. was saying keep up the good work, certainly. Thank you. Some fantastic articles. And, Andrew, obviously, big interview with Mr. Hughes. What else have we got coming up in terms of interviews um, for Andrew Thompson interviews on YouTube and post-wrestling?
1: Man, all I'm going to say is, look, if you uh,
0: if you are an OG ROH fan, you're going to want
1: to tune into the channel next week. That's all I got to say about the interviews, Martin. That's a that's a tease for you right there. If you are wow. a throwback, if you are a throwback ROH fan, and you are an original ROH fan, you are going to absolutely love the interview that I got coming out uh, cool. next week.
0: Wow, well, is it CM Punk?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm <a job> with. <laughs> Man, if I, if, if, I, if I could score a CM Punk interview, man, I'd be promoting the hell out there, man. <laughs> y- 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 y'all get tired of me.
0: Or <laughs> <laughs> no, always good. Definitely go out and check. Uh, certainly some uh, very interesting names that you've um, interviewed, uh, you know, over the, the months and years, and, and certainly some very different and unique um, people that you've interviewed over there. So definitely go and check that out. And as for me, um, obviously, we talked about the charity show at the top, uh, top of the show. And um I know a lot of people are asking me where it was going to land you know people who couldn't listen live at the time and obviously no I couldn't just stick a 12 hour show up anywhere so um, I think on the BWE feed next week it's going to be segmented into each guest so it'll be coming out in in different portions and stuff so definitely look out for that and um, me and Andrew will, will be back next month and um, obviously all roselead post wrestling.com obviously tons of stuff on the site as always some great work by um, everyone involved there and um, Eric. Thank you so much for joining me and Andrew this month. Um, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on as a guest. Really appreciate you taking the time out.
2: Oh, I was glad to be here. You know, this was in the works f- works for months, so <laughs> I <had> to f- <laughs> See, it finally come to fruition here, <laughs> amazing.
0: Cheers, man, and uh, yeah, we will catch you next month.